uh, pin or maybe a, a Easter holiday or Father's Day or Mother's Day or something like that, you can get in this annualized thing where your seasonal pin just comes back to life every year in that season and you've done nothing, you know. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com dot com to get your free instant diagnosis if you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 472 all right when it comes to social media traffic there are just two types the type that you pay for and then there's the type that is unpaid And in this episode, we're going to talk all about how to optimize organic social media traffic. That's the traffic you don't pay for. And Michael, are you ready to jump into this? I am. I'm ready to be convinced by you that I should take social media a bit more seriously than I do. I guess for me, this is just (laughs) one of the nine mountains of traffic that you teach in your latest ebook of the same name, which I bought and read all the way through the other day. Really great. I love the overview you have there. But why do you recommend people start with organic social media and not with paid? Because I know a lot of people do and teach the opposite. So they suggest starting with Facebook ads. It's a good question. Why do you prioritize it? It is early in our suggestion set to our students and coaching clients in terms of what they focus on. Email marketing is always the first thing we suggest. And then right after that is organic social media. And so I think the reason I prioritize people that way is it's free, first of all. And when you're bootstrapping or starting out, it's always good to optimize the free, you know, tools or resources that are available to you. And so that's just one, you know, one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is it can be some of the largest sources of e-commerce traffic. And so let me just rattle off a few of the sites and ideas here. And to make sure everybody's familiar with what we're talking about. So I would say, obviously, the organic social media can traffic can come from Facebook in both Facebook pages, as well as Facebook groups, which I think probably is most interesting. Pinterest be on the short list. Instagram would be there. YouTube, then Twitter. And then there are other you know sites as well that could refer traffic. But when we look at our coaching clients analytics, and we we do a lot of site reviews and work with a lot of our students and look at their traffic sources, the shortlist is always Facebook and Pinterest. 
And then well below that, way below it, you might see Instagram, YouTube, you know, Twitter, that kind of thing. But, you know, I'd say that the reason to start with organic social is because it's available to you and you can, you can jump into it easily, quickly, and you can also build a team and process around it. You know, I think so. That's the short list of why I guess there, I could go on and on, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I certainly am, I'm down with building a team and a shortlist, a process rather. I guess I'm a bit sus- suspicious of the value of social media. Naturally, I'm not a fan of using it generally, but I have built a process with a VA and a set of tools for the e-commerce, not e-commerce, but education type of business, amazing FBA. And I think actually that's probably something that I see underused given the cost effectiveness of VAs in the Philippines and the, the presence of tools that can do it. It's not going to be highly expensive compared to other things. So yeah, I think that for me, since you have to mass produce content, that's really something I'd move to much earlier in that sort of arena rather than other things. That, that's my main thought about it. Yeah, good point. I think that's a valid point. I, I would draw a distinction between the information marketing business world and e-commerce selling world. I live in both as well. And I can tell you that it's vastly different to try to use so organic social media for e-commerce operations than it is for infopreneur type efforts. So drawing that distinction, I think is important. And in the straight organic social media world for e-commerce selling, when you look at people's analytics and dashboards in the back end of their e-commerce stores, you will frequently see the highest source of traffic of any type being organic search. So Google traffic is very commonly their number one. Secondly, you will frequently see their direct typing of the URL, which means if I call that branded browsing. So people will know the store name, they'll come directly to it, prior customers, or it's word of mouth marketing that's occurred. They've typed in your URL. The third most common source of traffic to most e-commerce uh, business sites is social media. And then you parse out between paid and, and organic social. To me, I've seen that just over and over and over again. So in terms of the value proposition, it's undeniable in my mind that if you see large scale sites, you'll say, okay, that, you know, that is what's happening. And even in your own journey, reflecting on 10K Collective and your coaching clients, any examples come to mind of people in your system who have leveraged the power of Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, given that they're very, very largely focused on Amazon, although increasingly trying to develop off Amazon things, and I guess there's an off Amazon traffic element, I can't say I've seen a significant top of the funnel traffic results for organic social. I mean, people use Facebook ads to drive traffic to then try and get many chat signups in order to ultimately get reviews. But connecting to influencers, you have social media followings, although I know that's a different one if you're Nine Mountains, technically. But that has worked in a number of cases and a number of times for individual businesses as well. So that implies to me that it could work if they develop their own following enough. I guess people probably haven't put the focus in there. I've only seen one member work really hard and have significant results with social media at the top of the funnel, and that was with Instagram. But they effectively hired or or worked with a a full-time Instagram expert and really curated their content in a very, very mindful, very precise way. So completely different from quite a lot of the scattergun approaches that I see with social media as well. So that was interesting. That's interesting. And it's a standard run-of-the-mill type private label product or something like that that they sell? I mean, is it a straight e-commerce? It was a pretty nicely done set of beauty type products and they had some, you know, very beautiful and 
you know, very highly followed Instagram people. So I guess they were developing their own site to a degree, their own Instagram following. But mostly, I guess it was, if you dug below the surface, most of the results initially were coming from influencers and they were then curating their own on the back of that. Well, let me just tee up one suggestion there, which we haven't mentioned, but I think one of the starting places is probably go find where your ideal customers are. You know, if your ideal customers are like, if you're selling a, a beauty cosmetic product to younger generation folks, you'd definitely want to be on the, the social media sites that they're on, you know, Instagram being the primary, but also Snapchat, TikTok, etc. If you sell beauty products to older demographic ladies, then you'd probably want to be on Facebook, of course. And so, you know, I think that's a, a first tip is you, you shouldn't be fishing where the fish are not for your product. And you should just make it easy for yourself and go find where you have masses of your ideal customer, you know, and focus on on that platform first, I would think. Yeah. Makes 100% sense. Yeah, you're quite right. I mean, and it's an obvious thing to say, but a lot of people don't really take the trouble to think that one through. They just kind of scattergun. Maybe that's been my experience of social media and my clients' use of it. By the way, before we go much further, I think we ought to define what is and what isn't social media in your book, because there's some some interesting edge cases, aren't there? I mean, even Pinterest, which I know you've written the book about literally, and you mentioned it as being and even referring to itself as a kind of search engine. So what's your view on that and, and sort of edge cases? I think it's a loosely defined word and set of choice. I think it's a loosely defined concept. And there are sites that are behaving like social media sites to some degree and aren't really thought of that way, like Reddit maybe. And then there are other sites that aren't really like a social media site in terms of the social component, like Pinterest, but people lump it in. So I think in general, most people would say Facebook and Instagram are the top social sites. And then YouTube is really a video platform that is lumped in to social media. And Pinterest is really a visual discovery engine that's lumped into social media. So I think you've got a lot of opportunity to sort of work with the different sites in different ways. And I think the main thing is just understanding how they work, the components of them, and how you can use them for, you know, generating traffic to your, you know, either product on Amazon or your, you know, website, if you're on a standalone site. And, you know, they're all kind of different animals. They all kind of have different attributes and styles that you want to work with and, and value propositions, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess one of the dangers that we could have is to dismiss social media as a sort of generic type of traffic source. And with that, dismiss something that actually could have been very, very helpful for us. I mean, talking of YouTube, I mean, I would also think of that not really as a social media platform, but if we kind of possibly talking about that, I know that not in my own work so much or my clients work, but I know some people that have had massive success who are just pretty much straight Amazon sellers in terms of sales channels or to a large degree, a big success with YouTube videos and explainer type videos, particularly. And sort of that it's the home of how to get stuff done on a technical basis, right? Now, that is my number one search engine of choice that I would pull up for a technical how-to question. So I think that's potentially a massive winner. So I would really agree with that. My heart would be much more with YouTube than other things. So, And it's interesting because some of these platforms are really effective for paid ads. But to do paid ads, you have to do the organic work. You know, so Facebook fan pages in that is in that bucket in my mind at these days. A Facebook fan page has dubious value just in the organic social media reach they have because if Facebook's algorithm has totally truncated that. But if you do Facebook posts on your 
feed, you can boost them and or you know use them as as advertising content and that has huge value currently so some of these are kind of joined at the hip organic versus paid youtube falls into that category the youtube ads is a great way to get in front of ideal prospect but you, you know once you are in front of them they're going to look for your other videos <laughs> you know and so then you've got to have kind of done the work in terms of building out the channel. So I think that's an important point. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, it, on the one hand, we're talking from the 30,000 foot view, which makes a nice change from the channel specificness of, of a lot of internet marketing. It's always been that way somehow. Everyone latches onto the latest tool or platform, don't they? But in the end, you're right. I, I guess that you've got to be willing to look at paid and organic alongside each other and see how they interact. And, and some platforms, they'll interact a lot and some they won't. I mean, famously on Amazon, for example, paid, traffic strategy is run Amazon ads, which directly impacts your organic ranking in a way that doesn't necessarily work on, on other algorithms and other types of search engines. So yeah, you're quite right. It, it is to some extent, you've got to take each platform on its own merits. Well, the next question I was going to ask you is what the organic sites that you think send the most traffic specifically for e-commerce businesses, where should somebody really start for maximum success? Sure. Yeah. I think Facebook is undeniably the top of the uh, idea list. And inside Facebook, I just kind of renounced the fan page <laughs> and, said, and, and said that it doesn't have much value. But clearly having a fan page set up and content regularly published to it is a valuable business concept because of, for nothing else, just the opportunity to pay, boost those pieces and have them visible to a broader audience. But I think the bigger value proposition for Facebook is groups. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. And then I'll just flesh out the list here. Secondly, I would say Pinterest is a fantastic opportunity. And the interesting part about Pinterest is if you invest in a Pinterest strategy, and I've seen this happen for my coaching clients over and over. So I'm fairly confident in saying this is true for any e-commerce operator. If you invest in a Pinterest strategy, you will see it out send. Uh, traffic from Facebook. It will become your number one source of organic social media if you, again, if you invest in a strategy. But the nuance there is the the Pinterest traffic will not convert generally as well as Facebook traffic does. So what happens is this interesting thing where our the clients we work with will end up with two and three times more traffic from Pinterest, but the sales attributed to Pinterest is generally on par or maybe slightly less than Facebook. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic, how these grow out. But I'd say those are the top two to focus on for sure. Interesting. I mean, I guess that it's a bit different in the Shopify world than how things work for Amazon. But yeah, that, that does make sense. I can see what you're saying there. So let's talk about Facebook groups. Um, what are your thoughts on Facebook groups? I've got, I think, a couple examples that come to my mind in terms of how they can be leveraged. I think you do too. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, well, I think that as I would join in your rubbishing of Facebook pages as an organic reach tool, I mean, it used to be quite big and it's really changed. I think Facebook groups are very, very different. They have huge potential for great engagement in practice, whether it works for you or not is the first thing of, as you said, who is in there, rubbish in, rubbish out. If you're attracting the wrong people, then you won't get much value from them. The second thing is the quality of the work that you put in there to engage and that's really an art. And I think you can't just learn that overnight that you've got to really, you know, take some training probably and, and really learn from, you know, your peers. And that's where a mastermind or something like that can be really good. A coach such as yourself that's, that's managed to do it well. What I have seen 
is really a great use of Facebook groups, not so much at the top of the funnel to generate traffic to then make sales as a customer nurturing mechanism for one of the people, one of the businesses in the mastermind that they really wanted to drive their reviews on Amazon, which is the single most important element that sellers try to influence from off Amazon. Amazon's great at giving you traffic and conversions, but it doesn't give you the control over the perception of the product. And that's really, really, really helped. I mean, it's something like quadrupled their review rate, mostly based around their Facebook group. They've also got some user-generated content, which again can really convert well and, and be good for other social media so it can feed into the whole machine. So that's been really powerful. Not seen that used much. I think there's good opportunity there. How about yourself? Yeah, same thing. It's interesting. You mentioned that you've got you know an example that is a Facebook group in support of an Amazon-centric you know mm-hmm. channel. I actually have a client just working with him just before we started this podcast to set up one of his, his 4th of July sale. And he has a very successful uh, VIP group, he calls it. And to your point, it, it's a nurturing group. It's a, you know, a place where he asks people, invites people to join after they've become a customer. And he does a good job treating them like VIPs. And so he'll give them insider secrets. Hey, like, for example, this week he said to them, I think probably three, four days ago, hey, I'm going to have a big 4th of July sale. It starts on the the 28th and it ends on the 6th. I think he said it two days ago because he didn't want to uh, curtail their shopping, you know, for very long in advance. But he he let them know it's going to happen. And uh, so he treats them nice. I mean, he treats them special with insider info. He'll do videos just for them in that group. And that's a really effective tool for cultivating, nurturing existing fans and followers. We have a successful Facebook group for our charity that is just vibrant. I mean, just vibrant. People are just in there having a great time. And to your point, I think the rubbish in, rubbish out, I would just say, you just have to be careful because you have to position a group rightly from the beginning. You definitely don't want to just have it be a generic group where people are debating, arguing, you know, bombing it with all kinds of, you know, different info, wrong info, competitor info. I mean, you, you really want to think through your group precepts before you launch it and do it smartly. So it benefits your business because if you do it wrongly, you can end up with a group that is a massive time waster and just a source of continuous tension frustration and, you know, kind of problems. And and that's always a downer. So yeah, I I think the group thing though is a huge opportunity. How long Facebook will allow groups to exist in a free, unmonetized way is the the big debate. I personally have not built a big Facebook group for the, in my own e-commerce businesses, for the reason that I'm concerned that they will go the way of Facebook pages. Now in our charity, somebody set it up for us. I didn't even set it up and it's just become our group, a de facto group for our charity. But that is my concern is that what will Facebook do with those for the long term? and knowing them, they'll turn to monetization, which will probably turn towards it being less effective, but it's just a concern. This is always the concern with organic media in general, but Facebook in particular, because they have a history of doing that. So Talking of getting away from Facebook a bit, possibly, you've written about Pinterest, obviously, in your books and, and Instagram Power. Is that the latest book that you brought out again? Is Instagram Power is recent, right? You've done an updated version. We did uh, three books with McGraw-Hill in 2012, 13, and 14. So it was Pinterest Power, 
YouTube marketing power, and then Instagram power. Of those three, the Instagram power book really took off most, you know, kind of incredibly. And I just did a, a revised and expanded second edition that's come out in the last year. And it's so cool. It's been translated all over the world. And just a couple of weeks ago, somebody shared with me the cover art from Iran in Farsi. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, I had to ask, you know, it's awkward. Like, what, what is this? And so exciting. And so Instagram power yeah, is the, is the latest. And so Instagram and Pinterest, I believe all three of those platforms, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube have real value to people. But yeah. So what would you say is the value proposition for Instagram then? Why make the efforts, the business sort of time and effort and money investment? Well, it's clearly become the number two social media platform behind Facebook. And of course, Facebook bought them years ago now. And so in terms of just the size of audience opportunity, it is the largest and it really, there are organic social media strategies that you can use effectively on Instagram. And I'll just mention two, and you can go check out my work on the happy gardening life. We have 260,000 followers or so, and you can see what we do. We basically have a hashtag and we invite people to use that hashtag. I think it's been used like 300,000 times now. And we basically say, use the happy gardening life hashtag to be featured in our feed. And people love using the hashtag, the happy gardening life. And it gives us an opportunity to repost their images with permission. And we get to curate basically from the best of the best posts and republish them. And it totally works. And we do that four times a day. And then Instagram also gives you story content opportunities. They have other things, but really the stories is the thing that has taken off. It has over 500 million daily users, I believe. And stories on Instagram can work really, really well as, you know, for driving traffic. If you have the opportunity to get to 10,000 Instagram followers, then they unlock a feature called the swipe up link so that you can have a story and just have it be a swipe up straight to any link you want. So it can link to your product on Amazon. It can link to your website, et cetera, et cetera, in the story. So literally we have a story content every day going out linking to our site. So that's how you get traffic off Instagram. And those two things by themselves are fantastic opportunities. And so I think Instagram is, is really, you know, so got a huge value proposition for people. And many, many people are finding huge success with it, not just on the organic social side, but then of mm-hmm. course on the paid side, the paid side is managed through the Facebook ads platform, which is a nice you know, thing you can cross promote things in terms of ads on Facebook as well as Instagram and beyond. I mean, there are other assets that they have in their system as well, but that's a really nice set of, of benefits for Instagram. And you can go check out Instagram Power if you'd like on Amazon. I believe it's number three right now in business marketing on Amazon subcategory. I'll look just to make sure I'm not over exaggerating the position of it, but it's done really, really well. And I'm honored to have, to have written it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, while you do the classic author thing that I'm sure I would do if, of checking your position on Amazon, <laughs> I just want to ask you a question about Instagram, which is that how do you find this is the one suspicion I have around social media? Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. 
Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. How do you find that the number of followers, which can often get into the stratosphere, although you guys have done particularly well, translates into actual paid traffic or you know sales? Well, just to circle back, I am currently number four in business entrepreneurship subcategory and number five in business marketing with Instagram power. So go check that out. It's a great question about the followers. Sorry, that was a shameless plug, I realized. But it's a great question about the followers. And the problem with looking at followers is it can be gamed. You know, you, you can buy followers. You can get followers in many ways that are maybe lesser quality followers. And so as an Instagram influencer for the Happy Gardening Life, I do deals. I mean, I'm doing promotional deals all the time. One of the tools that you want to check out is the quality of the Instagram account that you would ever want to work with. So just as a tip, if you want to work with an influencer, you want to use tools to confirm or validate that they don't have fake followers. And there's a great site. I'll link it in the show notes. And it shows the basically like an audit tool of any Instagram account. And you can see the quality score of the Instagram account. And that's probably the smartest thing to do. And because you're right, you know, it's not a direct correlation. You can see accounts that have huge followers, but have very little engagement. And the first thing to do is just to look to see how many likes they have on their posts and that kind of thing. Then Pinstagram is obviously something, oh, Pinstagram, I'm making it up. Let me try again. <laughs> so Pinterest is obviously something that you had very early success with and, and have continued to have success with and your clients work well. So tell me about Pinterest as well. What's the value proposition for Pinterest? Is it the same as Instagram, just different platform or is it a different beast? Oh, different beast altogether. Yeah. Pinterest is just a phenomenal tool for e-commerce sellers in my view. Pinterest is unique because it really serves a different function for the end user. It's really like Pinterest likes to call themselves a visual discovery tool. They, in their own minds, compete with Google. And it's more like if you go to Google and you click on images in terms of a, a search result, that's what Pinterest is competing against. And so how you monetize that is you have things pinned to Pinterest from your website. So I would say that if you're an Amazon-only e-commerce seller, Pinterest might not have the value proposition as it would for a Shopify site, for example. And so if you're an e-commerce seller on your own Shopify site, then Pinterest opportunity is massive. And I would just say this, the basics of the Pinterest algorithm is that it rewards frequency of pinning and it will start to really, really recognize your site drastically as your customers do the pinning work. And so, and you can see on Pinterest sites, what's interesting is you can go see how many monthly views that the, you know, have been attributed to the pins. And so our, like right now for Pixie Fair, our primary e-commerce site, we have like 1.3 million monthly views on Pinterest and the, it caps out at 10 million. So the biggest brands on, you know, in the world we'll say 10 million, but many, many brands are, you know, a couple million monthly views. And our site does very, very well because we have customers that use it tremendously and they're constantly pinning things off of our site onto their Pinterest pin boards. And that's when you get huge, huge, huge value from Pinterest. If you have a site that has a lot of rich media, good quality photos, lifestyle photos, or people call it editorial 
or lifestyle shots, you know, those types of photos, a lot of graphics, you know, so graphic art that's nicely done. Those elements on your website will be massively valuable for your prospective clients who or customers who will, you know, pin on Pinterest. And it's not for every e-commerce seller, but many e-commerce sellers have made it work for their niche or their audience enough so that it's a commonly done thing. I mean, it, it's very common that it's a top source of traffic. Well, like you guys obviously know where if you speak is 1.1 million pins. Is it pins or followers or what? It's called monthly views. And yeah, so we're at 1.3 monthly views right now. It, 1.3 million. We've been at 1.4 million before. and But, you know, most people who get into it and have a strategy set up, they can frequently have hundreds of thousands of monthly views. And that means the content has been engaged with on Pinterest. It doesn't mean that's how much traffic you get from Pinterest. That would be crazy, but that's not the metric. So that's my next obvious question then is, is how much monthly traffic does it generate and how many sales does it generate insofar as one can tell such things? For across the board, it's generally the number one or number two source of organic social media on our e-commerce site. It's certainly true on our e-commerce site. And for the many of the clients that we work with who have done the work to get it set up and, and going. And, you know, so that just is a question of the scale of your operation. But I would say it for those who have invested in it, it is one of, you know, the top three or four strategies that e-commerce sellers use. And the nice part about it is it's a very, very passive strategy to employ. If you do it right, you can really set up a, you know, a VA on your side of the effort to manage it and or your customers do a lot of the work for you. So it's really not as intense as say YouTube video creation effort or, you know, like podcasting where there's like a lot of editing and that kind of thing. It's just a much more passive system. And it's also just one other attribute here. It's important to point out the actual traffic that you get from Pinterest is near evergreen. I mean, you can have traffic coming from Pinterest to your website from pins that were pinned long ago. It's almost like YouTube in that way, where if there's a viral video that does really well, it'll send you, you know, eyeballs and and traffic for a long time on, on YouTube. And the same phenomenon exists on Pinterest. If a pin goes viral, it can be sending you traffic for a long, long, long time. And it's just amazing to watch, you know, and sometimes if you do it wisely, like seasonally, like a Christmas time uh, pin or maybe a, a Easter holiday or Father's Day or Mother's Day or something like that, you can get in this annualized thing where you're seasonal pin just comes back to life every year in that season and you've done nothing you know other than it's just out there and and working so those are the attributes that make pinterest real special yeah i really like that i mean the main thing i from a sort of scalability and not going crazy trying to do ten thousand things view which is i think so important for small businesses is and especially small and fast growing ones so i guess are our target customers then the fact that it's evergreen is really great. I, that's one of the things that I object to about social media. And sadly, although I love podcasting for different reasons as a user experience, but as a creator, it's pretty awful in that most of the downloads happen within the first three days. So it's not that dissimilar to social media. The evergreen thing is huge. I think another thing that strikes as a common theme about social media here is the customer who created content, just in like in the, my clients, a Facebook group. That is a thing that, again, takes the burden off you and 
at the same time, beautifully, it increases the credibility of it for anybody else who's reading it. And the final thing about this is it's another plug for having your own site versus Amazon because it enables you to unlock what sounds like a really lovely platform in many ways, the attributes of which are great. So yeah, so, some thoughts there. Love it. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think are some common pitfalls, traps, or mistakes to avoid? I mean, you started this conversation by saying the value proposition of organic social media, maybe not so much in your mind, but clearly you have got to have some thoughts on how this can waste people's time and, you know, not be effective. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I sit corrected in many ways that the value proposition has been very highly proven by you. And I guess the off Amazon play is very, very different to the play on Amazon. I would say the number one problem with social media is it's designed to be addictive and fritter away your time. And that can easily happen to you. People call research or networking or whatever word they put on it. It can take hours out of your day. And I, my experience as well, the so-called grown-up platforms like LinkedIn are absolutely no better than Facebook in that regard. <laughs> I come away feeling kind of soiled after an hour on, on, on LinkedIn with people shouting at me that I should be improving my life or, or whatever, you know, because I'm connected to too many sort of self-development coaches and what have you probably. But I think you have to be very, very mindful of your time and you have to be, I guess, like, you know, peddlers of anything addictive, shall we say, you may make sure you don't consume your own stuff. I mean, I think it's very important to be a publisher, not a consumer, as you put it. Another way of putting it is, as Tim Ferriss used to put it back in the day, increased output necessitates decreased input. And I would agree with that with a proviso quality input. Reading a really great book and then tweeting about it for the next five weeks is probably the right way around. Reading a bunch of tweets and then tweeting about it again, probably going to fry your brain in my experience. <laughs> and the other thing to say is don't let's make a fetish of social media. Gary Vee, who I think is being a bit disingenuous with this statement, says, I'm on social media because that's the way that people are. I, I personally think he loves it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm 100% on social media because that's where the people are. And as soon as they move somewhere else, I'll be following wherever my people are. So I think that's the, the other thing I would say. No, I think that's really, really a valid point. It can be huge waste of time. I think it was Russell Brunson who said, be a producer of content, not a consumer of content on social media. And that's so true. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, it's just a time management issue. And so I think that tees up some strategies. Let's talk about what are shortcuts, tools, tips, and suggestions for how to really optimize the organic social media effort. Things that you've seen happen or work effectively in your business, or what are your thoughts on tools and tips and ideas? Well, tools and tips I've used, again, with the provider that's in primarily in an educator type business, but I, I do think could be used very quickly by e-commerce sellers and are probably underused is using a VA and using scheduling tools. The thing about social media is if you're following somebody like Gary Vee's advice, that you have to be mass producing micro content across lots of different platforms. And again, your take on it is much more disciplined and going where the people are. And, and that may be a misunderstanding of, 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 it may be a misapplied social media strategy, but nevertheless, even if it's just Pinterest or just Instagram and you have many followers, I think setting up a process, having a reliable person there and using a scheduling tool is going to be really essential to avoid getting buried in detail and getting sucked back into that thing of be being engaged yourself as a user with any given platform. So we use Hootsuite pretty extensively. We've got a VA. For all that I say, I don't like social media. I mean, our, our, <laughs> you know, our output is quite a lot. I mean, we, we put a lot of stuff out. We're probably putting out close on 50 posts of some description a week, maybe even more by design. 
I think batching things in the right way or repurposing content is really, really important. So a podcast is something you can repurpose in multiple different ways. You can make mini videos out of them if you use the right tools. I don't remember offhand what we've used, but we can put it in the show notes. And you can obviously get a blog post and, and big that up across the media. And we do a lot of that as well. I love those ideas. We have a VA team as well that helps with our social media. And we like scheduling tools as well. We use a tool called Promo Republic and really like it different than Hootsuite. A lot of people like Planoly as another tool. So those are three that are all good. We used to use Hootsuite. So those are three, Hootsuite, Promo Republic, and Planoly. That's definitely a, a suggestion. I did interview VaynerMedia. I didn't get an interview with Gary V himself for Instagram Power book, but I did do an interview with VaynerMedia. And the strategy that they use is interesting. It's Gary's strategy. And he basically has what he calls pillar content that he creates. And let's, you know, think of it like an hour long keynote where he's on stage. It's a video captured, you know, keynote address that he's done. And then from that, they'll basically slice out micro content and he'll turn that pillar piece of content into 50 or 100 quotes, little graphics, little infographics, you know, things that are subsequently shared. And I think that's a really smart strategy. I also just generally encourage people to do batching where they do their efforts, you know, one time for a multiple releases, you know. So for example, Kyle and I, my business partner for a coaching business, we do our, our vlog tip of the week released every Friday, but we only record those one time a month. So first week of the month, we'll record the whole month. And then we're, we're done, you know, in, in an hour and a half or so, we've done all of the work and it sustains then that publishing schedule for the whole month. And we have assistants that do all the publishing work associated with it. So those types of strategies, I think are really, really important. I think the other obvious strategy that just should, you know, we people should think through is how do you repost your content across multiple platforms? And just the most obvious thing is just make sure that you're sharing. And you know, it's the most obvious thing is just to make sure you're sharing across the multiple platforms that you own. And it's easy to forget. You know, you have a badge made for Facebook and it's for content and you share it on Facebook and then you forget to put it on LinkedIn or wherever. And so I think that's just a discipline of putting together an organized system. I think what you just said is absolutely right. And, and I think that both things are true. It, you should repost. You must actually make sure that you get that done. And the other thing is by employing somebody to do it and then having a system because you cannot manage somebody else without a system, it forces you to be disciplined about that. And I was just reflecting myself that we need to do a, a ton of promotion of the e-commerce leader, for example, which is kind of a pre-digital product in the education space. It's a bit different, but the same principle applies, which is have a calendar have an SOP or a process, have a person doing it, and then it's guaranteed to get done. I, I just think leaving it to yourself to get done if you're a solopreneur is a recipe for it never getting done or you burning out one or the other. So I just think it's unlikely to be sustained. So as ever, lots to think about. Can you wrap it up in a bow for us? And you know, what do we really need to think about in general when we're approaching the topic of social media as a traffic source for our e-commerce businesses? Sure. I Hopefully this has given a lot of grist for the mill in terms of thinking through a basic approach to organic social media. And that would be my number one suggestion is take the time to sit down, plot out what's happening right now in your business. Look at your analytics maybe and think through, okay, where am I getting some 
engagement? And how do you build a system to actually scale up one platform at a time? And I would suggest that would either be Facebook groups or it would be Pinterest, but that depends on your scenario and situation. And really think through how do you set up a system that is manageable at a high scale and using VAs, using tools like Planoly, Promo Republic, et cetera. And, uh, and then really, really bolt on the next platform after you've gone from strength, you know, to strength might take three to six months to get something set up. But you know what? If you do that work, you're going to reap the rewards for a long, long time. And so I think there's huge value in that. So that would be my quick recap. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well, you've certainly made me rethink some of my prejudices, which is really valuable. I think sometimes the biggest block to progress is when you think you know something and it isn't true. And I'm certainly guilty of that. So thank you very much for your passion, particularly for Pinterest on this this topic. So um, if, like me, you've been listening and found that it's forced you to challenge your thinking and finding this useful, we're both very, very glad. It's fantastic to be able to put content into people's hands or into people's earbuds in this case that's going to help them. If you have found it helpful as ever, we'd love to get a review from you. We're, we're lucky that several people have taken the time now to do that. And we'd just love you to do that because it really, really helps to encourage us and keep us producing this content and helping you. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 472. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.